So tell me about Video Games Live. I, I, I went ahead and started the recording because I kind of want to hear this and put it on the show. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. You know, I, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. I mean, honestly, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, and I know what's been going on for quite some time. But I didn't really know the details of exactly how it worked. Uh, one of the things I didn't know that I learned is that I thought it was a group, as in a band that, that went from place to place. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that it's just the organizers that go from place to place. Yeah, Tommy Tallarico, right? Yep. Yeah, and he's still... I was wondering if he was still going to be a part of it. I know he started it. Um, but yeah, he's there. He, you know, he's got his electric guitar in front of everybody else who's you know, a symphony orchestra. So, I'm going to be honest, he looks a little out of place up there. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting character, but I like the guy. He seems very enthusiastic about everything he does. I mean, uh, yeah, and he, it, it was great. I mean, he, he was a good part of it, too. He definitely had enthusiasm. He definitely had energy. Uh, he was talking about one of the guys who got him his very first job as, uh, you know, starting in, in the game music industry, and that person was there at the show. Oh, really? So... That was pretty cool. Um, I don't know how long. So at each stop, it seems like it's a local symphony that does the music. Yeah, that's usually how they do it. Right, which is, I guess, kind of cool because every experience then truly would be different because it would be an entirely different set of people doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, They seem pretty good. Yeah. I was expecting a bit more, like from all the promotional posters, and I guess that's about all I've really seen for it is posters. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little bit more ravey, and they do have a pretty, a pretty good light show as part of it. But being outside, you couldn't turn the lights down, right. so it wasn't until the end of the show that it was dark enough to really get the full effect of the lights. Mm-hmm. But on the on the flip side of that, it was in the Fort Worth Botanical Gardens, which were gorgeous, and I can't imagine a you know a cooler place to go to you know to see that type of a orchestral show. A uh, pretty big crowd. Yeah, it was sold out. I don't know exactly how many there were, but it it was a little strange to me that it was table seating. Yeah, I don't know, strange, but. You know, there was four seats to a table, and then there were, you know, ten tables to a row, and then I have no idea, thirty or forty rows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good area that was covered. There was also uh, a, a lawn seating in front, and then a lawn seating in the middle, and then a lawn seating all in the back. Uh, but all the tables at least were full. Cool. And I kind I kind of expected it to be a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more like quick cut, like here's this song, now here's this song, we're going to remix it with this song and, you know, cut from one song to the other and, and have kind of a high tempo type thing. And maybe that was the light show, I was envisioning more of a rave setting, or maybe it was just, uh, I don't know, that it's 2015 and, you know, fight scenes in movies tend to be quick cut so that it looks more action packed. I imagine this would be a little bit more action packed. But, you know, in reality, each each segment was, you know, fairly well constructed. There was a video in the background. You got the lights. 
you got you know the music that progresses through various stages so it was more like three or four minutes for each section instead of a five minute section made up of many many different short segments stitched together right so you know it felt like there was almost a little bit more care there than i was expecting so what um what games did he cover um you know a lot of the standard ones i, I guess there's sort of a a set repertoire you know they have like 40 or so different segments and they play 20 or so different segments at each show uh-huh. so i guess you get you know roughly half overlap every every time from one show to the other but it was a lot of the standard ones uh the metal gear solid one was great yeah and they actually had a little voice clip of david Hayter introducing tommy tallarico oh nice so that that was kind of cool um, spliced together, you know, a different video from all all the different games mm-hmm. to go in the background. That was cool. There was a Sonic the Hedgehog theme. Really, it seemed like it it, it peaked with One Winged Angel from Final Fantasy. It always is. That's usually the last song he usually ends with. Yeah, well, the last song was kind of fun too because it was still alive. Okay. Um. But One Winged Angel is the one that basically is like the crescendo of the show. Right. And it's like set to a fireworks display. Nice. So on top of everything else that's going on, you've got fireworks. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. We left there, again, a little bit lethargic because it was so ridiculously hot. But I think we were both pretty happy. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool thing. I'd like to see it one day. Yeah, we had like we were only we were in like the third row of the entire thing. Nice. So we had really good seats, and uh, we went out to a local bar called Barcadia, mm. which is a bar that's full of old you know retro video game machines. Right. Uh, and that, and that was kind of fun. Although that thing was a a pale, pale, shitty version of what I'm used to from Chicago, which they have one that's. You know, 10 times the square footage and 20 times the games. And they're all free in the one in Chicago. You go in and you pay for your beers. And every video game or pinball machine in the building is free. Right. This one was, you know, maybe just 20 arcade cabinets. And you still had to pay for them all. And it was a lot smaller. But it was close to where... uh, Video Games Live had been, and it was also video game themed. So we went there, just me and my buddy Mark, and then we ended up meeting, you know, up to almost 10 different people that were at Video Games Live. We spent the whole night hanging out with them, playing yeah. Life Since Jenga and, you know, getting drunk. We ended up bar hopping to a different bar. So it was a pretty fun night for the fact that we only spent one night there. Right. <clears throat> well, good. Sounds like, a, sounds like a pretty fun time. Yeah, I think next time I would have flown... So about eight hours, right? Uh, about seven hours. Seven. The only benefit being that we found one of the greatest liquor stores, with the, one of the greatest beer selections I've ever seen. So we loaded up with an absurd amount of local Texas beer and then drove it back to Memphis. Mm. So I'll be drinking, and I am currently drinking at this moment, a Texas beer. What is it called? This one is called Lucheza Lager. Lucheza Lager. Don't know it. Maybe one of our listeners does. The Oasis Texas Brewing Company. 
But we had, uh, I actually, I had one beer that was great there. I don't know if it was great. It was, you know, it was a good, easy drinking beer. But the brewery is Revolver. Okay. And uh, I, I just always get excited by the name of the beer because this was only the second time I've been to Texas, and I've had this beer both times. But the name of the beer is Blood and Honey. Blood and Honey. Yeah, from a Revolver. That sounds like a Texas beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, in the end, all that exciting. Not yeah. as exciting as it would make you think it might be. But it was still pretty delicious, so we picked up a six-pack of that. and I think I picked up ten six-packs and brought them back. Nice. Sounds like you're prepared. Yeah, Memphis also doesn't really have either a great local beer scene or necessarily any place with a great selection of external beers. So, right. I took it as a you know once in a year opportunity to look. Yeah, I know Athens um, here in Athens, Georgia. We got a couple of uh, breweries now. Um, Terrapin's actually a pretty big one. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're in other states now. But um, I like Terrapin pretty good. Uh, but there's a new brewery just that just opened up probably about a year and a half ago called uh, Creature Comforts, which is actually really good. They got they got a beer called Athena, which is fucking fantastic. And I, I like we I've been to their uh, I've been to both uh, breweries and took the tour and stuff like that. The guys at Creature Comforts were some of the nicest guys I ever met. Yeah, oh, they, yeah? yeah, they just they, they they took you on the tour and then afterwards they just kind of just hung out with everybody and, and drank with them and stuff. And I just sat there and just talked to the guys, you know, talking about like business models and shit like that. And if they were thinking about expanding, because it was right after they had just got done opening, and uh, those guys were really really nice. Huh. Yeah, just some a couple of local guys who wanted to get into the business and um, actually got got some help from Terrapin. Terrapin like. Uh, um, helped them out with a few things that he told me. So, um, but yeah, it seems like they're, they're expanding pretty well. I think they're, uh, they're eventually, I think they said that they're going to very soon be in stores and local stores and stuff like that. So at the current moment, you can just get it at the brewery. Right. But, um, yeah, that was really, I, I really liked that place. That's yeah, cool when you find places like that. Yeah, it was, and the funny thing, the brewery is actually in like an old, uh, car, like it, it looked like a, either a car shop, like a garage, like a really big, like windowed garage or a, what used to be a car dealership. So there's these giant windows where you can always see like car displays and stuff. And that's where everybody sits down to drink and stuff like that. It's a really cool place. How different companies handle the tour part of it. Uh, this was just like, guy was like here's our stuff got any questions and that was about it you know <laughs> the smaller ones tend to be a little less exciting yeah because you know it's really just that's where they brew the beer and that's about the start and end of the story but i i like some of the the bigger breweries that have some time to really focus on either showing you like the nuts and bolts of mass production that you don't really see elsewhere Right. Or some of the companies like uh, Magic Hat up in Vermont. Theirs is an in, kind of an interesting tour because they basically say we don't, you know, we, we're not here to show you how beer is made. We're going to give you our entire history, and it's all about 
the culture of the beers that we generate and, you know, the thought process behind, you know, sustainability and, you know, and, and the hippie mentality that kind of occurs and thrives in Burlington. But it, it gives it kind of a cool atmosphere when you take the tour. Right. Not to mention a lot of these places that are just absolutely drink as much as you want afterwards versus others that, you know, a lot of smaller ones can't really do that yeah creature comforts and terrapin they both give you like a bracelet and the bracelet has like charges on it so you can do you know like samplers or you can do a full beer and i think uh creature comforts they had like you could do either nine or ten samples which is not a full glass obviously but um or you can just get three beers and it's ten bucks for the tour and everything. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty fun, and you get to try out all their beers and stuff. I haven't even been able to check out the ones in Memphis yet. Hey, yeah, I'll do it. You may find something you like. Yeah, there's something I really like. One of my favorite milk stouts they make here. What is it? Uh, it's called "Gotta Get Up to Get Down." <laughs> okay. It's like it's caffeinated, I believe. Oh wow. So it's like a, it's like a coffee milk stout. Okay. So it's got the caffeine from the coffee, and it's also incredibly smooth. It's from Wiseacre Brewery, and it's delicious. Uh, milk stout. The the only one I can actually remember having. Uh, well, no, I take that back. Um, Terrapin has a milk stout called uh, Moohoo. Is <laughs> the name of it. It's a chocolate milk stout. Um, mm. it's pretty good. Um. But the other one is the the left hand milk yes. stout. Left hand milk stout is one of my favorite beers that I've ever had. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. That and dragon's milk. I haven't had dragon's milk. Those are my two favorites. Mm. Left hand is amazing, though. Yeah, left hand is really really good. That was uh, the first time I'd ever had it. It was like fucking July, and it was hot as living shit. And like I was. In downtown Athens, like we were, we were going around like it was free. It was free comic book day. It was what it was. And it was on a Saturday, and it was hot as shit. I can't remember what day it was. It had to have been like in May then, because yeah. I think that's when free comic book day is. But it was like one of those abnormal, like hot Georgia days. And um, we went down to the comic book store and got our free comics, and then we were just walking around Athens. And uh, we stopped by just a, a hole in the wall. I can't even remember the name of it now. And they said, uh, what would you like to drink? I said, well, I looked at the list. I don't really know. I, like At the current, I still don't really know much about beers. I just saw Milk Stout. That sounds interesting. Give me that left-hand Milk Stout. And they gave me that. Man, I fucking fell in love with that. You know, you're sweating your ass off. And you drink this really cold, fucking great-tasting beer. There's nothing quite like that. So. Yep, I, I felt a little lucky because that beer tends to be priced more than average beers. Yeah, but and so so it's normally a little bit higher than average. And then when I was just north of Chicago, we would spend a lot of time at this one movie theater because it was right next to where everybody worked, where they had a bar attached to the movie theater. Mm. But you, as you can imagine, movie theater food prices are exorbitant and also movie theater alcohol prices are a little high. 
So the fact that they had left hand milks out, I'm like, great, you take an already expensive beer at this theater, it's gonna be, you know, twelve bucks a beer. But it turns out they had left hand milk style for five bucks. Really? Which is as cheap as I've ever seen it anywhere. So I was shocked to see it at a movie theater bar for five bucks. So that was my go to. I would always get that. Nice. But uh I, I do have some emotional scars from the last pre-comic book day that I tried to go to. Oh, really? Did you run into some of those uber nerds? No, different different type of scar. It was, you know, it was sort of when I was starting to get back into comics mm-hmm. after many, many years of hiatus, and it was it was really the, the Dark Tower comics that had got me back. Okay. And uh, I was like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe there's other ones I'd want to read. I'm not really sure what I want to read, to be honest with you. Uh, and I, I heard that Free Comic Book Day was coming out. I'm like, all right, I'll pick up some free ones, see if anything catches my interest. And uh, I got kind of excited about it. And I finally made my drive over there. And they were like, I'm sorry, this is only for children. And uh, you can't have any. And I was like, this this was me getting trying to get back into comics. And I basically got told, stop acting like a child. Whoa, the comic book store people told you it was for kids only? The fuck kind of a comic book store are you going to? Exactly. They got no problem selling me comics, but none for free. That's a load of bullshit, man. Even the Uber nerds that worked at my local comic book store will be like, there's the rack, grab whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> that was basically what they said. And we were like, yeah. fuck yeah, let's grab everything. <laughs> I don't know if it was limited supply, so they decided to only restrict it to children, or it could have been limited supply. Policy, but I don't think that's commonplace. I think it's generally free to anybody. It is. That's the whole point. So, so I was very surprised when they said no. Wow, what a bunch of idiots! Yeah, but nah, nah. I, I there's there's actually some pretty cool stuff that comes out of Free Comic Book Day. Um. And they usually go into like what's coming up next, you know, in in your favorite series or whatever. Um, speaking of comics, because I, I, I do want to bring it up, uh, William, who listens to the show, he actually brought it up to me, and I picked up some of them. I think I may have mentioned it to you before, but I'll mention it on the show too. Ghostbusters. They had a they had an ongoing comic for a while, um, and they and they ended it. Or, or it got canceled. I don't know what happened, but they ended it. They have a sale going on on Comixology. Where Is it still what was as of like yesterday or the day before? Yeah, it's still going. I think it goes on to the twenty seventh. Um, each issue is ninety nine cents, and you can yeah. get the full volumes for three ninety nine. That's a steal, and that's a fucking a great comic. So I highly suggest that to people. Um. I would agree. Yeah. If you're a Ghostbusters fan, it's kind of a no-brainer. Especially Ghostbusters 3. It takes place in like 1991 after the events of Ghostbusters 2. And it has it has the humor that you would expect from a Ghostbusters movie. So, I highly suggest that. And I'm still reading Batman. I actually got back into Batman. I haven't been able to... I haven't had any time to read any in... Probably a couple months now, but I I do wish that I had some time because I've I, there's been so many great sales that I've you know I've stocked up a little bit, but I don't even have time to read 
the ones that I'm getting, let alone think about, you know, what I might get for free at Free Comic Book Day. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I think we've talked long enough for this, so we can get right into the whole reasons for this podcast. Uh, welcome to Phoenix Down, episode number 39.1. Um, interesting little side note for everybody. Uh, not on this day, but on uh, June 22nd, 2012, Matt, Justin, Testa, and I recorded the very first episode of Phoenix Down. So this is technically our three-year show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We covered Halo. Halo 1. Combat Evolved. Anniversary Edition. My, how far we've grown. Not really, but... (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) we pretty much do the same thing we always do. Complain about stuff and then talk about how we should play this game and then change everything around and not cover a game. How many games have we quit? Oh. There's only been one, right? Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, not that many. Yeah, just Xenogears. Which people still hold that over our heads. Yeah. I know I know. there's multiple people out there who are like, when are you guys going to finish Xenogears? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a dark little part of my heart that I'm going to take to the grave. Yeah, that's... That's a long-ass game. But, uh... I mean, if I had an easy way to get a save, because I lost my saves when my PS3 died. Yeah. If I had an easy way to get a save that was close to where I was, I wouldn't be opposed to going back into it. But I'm sure you could probably download one, but at this point, I can't even remember what was going on or how to play the game. (laughs) You know? It was interesting. You know, that was the only, for Phoenix Down, that's the only game we ever quit, I think. We didn't technically finish near, we didn't get the final, final ending. Well, yeah. Which, we did, you know, quote unquote beat it. Yeah, I mean, I saw credits, so. um, Which, yeah, near two coming out. You wouldn't believe how many people I know who, who like, when they announced Nier 2, went out and bought Nier. Oh. I yeah. didn't think anyone would remember that there was a Nier 1. Yeah. Despite I, if it's called actually called Nier 2. Well, nobody... But see, I don't think anybody ever played Nier. That was the thing. I, I still don't think anybody's really played it. You know? I For some... It, it was always on a shelf somewhere, and I saw it, and I was like, I'd like to play that game one day, and I found the perfect excuse to do it. And it turned out to be something so fucking strange. Like, that that game is weird. <laughs> but it had the elements of Zelda. That was the thing. You have an overworld, and then you go into dungeons, and the dungeons kind of have some puzzle solving and stuff like that in them. And, I mean, it was totally like a Zelda game set in this really, really freaking weird world. You know, but there was so many friggin' things they did that was so unique. You know, uh, an entire dungeon is a text adventure. 
You know, it was just so strange and, and, and so refreshing to see. Yeah. And then, you know, even the, the thing that, that, that really sold it for me was something I didn't even get to experience, which was the final ending where you have to make a choice. And when you make that choice, the game deletes your save. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Um, which nears the reason why Jay even works for the site now. Really? Yeah. You remember we didn't know Jay, and he kept writing into us talking about near. Yep. And we started talking to him, and now he works for the fucking website. <laughs> so we owe a lot to near, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see what two would would be like. And it's being developed by Platinum Games, you know. So, truth be told, I, I I'm not a big fan of Platinum Games. Now, I, now I should preface that I really like Metal Gear Rising, but I'm not a big fan of Bayonetta. I, but a lot of people are. Yeah, there's a ton of people who are, you know. I just, for some reason, I could not get into Bayonetta, even though I like those character action games. I love Devil May Cry. You yeah. Know? You know, and and, and 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 stuff like that. It should be totally up my alley, but I just did not like Bayonetta. Maybe I should go back to it one day. Maybe I should just pick up the Bayonetta 2, because it comes with Bayonetta 1, I think. And I have a Wii U that I'm not ever fucking playing, because I don't own any games on it. So maybe I should go back and try it, but you know, and I I, I did play some of um, uh, what was it called Vanquish. Oh yeah, Vanquish I, I thought was unique, but just not my t- cup of tea. Um, there was Anarchy Reigns, I think, was another one, and Mad World was another one. Those were both kind of in the same vein with each other. They both had that that same character in it. Platinum Games has made a lot of games. I mean, they're they're even doing the new Transformers game. So, I don't know. We'll find out. One thing Platinum Games does do well, I think, is combat. So, I think if they can, if they give near to Platinum Games, I think they can make a decent playing game. I just hope it's as weird as the first one. Oh, I'm sure it will be. Yeah. And then, <laughs> did you watch the uh, the Square Enix press conference? No, not still not yet. The guy who created Near, apparently, I, I didn't know this, but apparently he doesn't like showing his face to public. He <laughs> he came out with a fucking Emil helmet on. I did see that. Yeah, and <laughs> and he did he did his presentation with that. The the mask on. That was really weird. Yeah, he's a strange guy. Um, Guess it fits. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. Everybody was like, what the fuck is this thing that came out? I'm like, I knew immediately what the hell that was. I was like, hey, assholes, I played Nier. I know exactly what he's wearing. And if you played Nier, you'd know too. <laughs> that fucking thing was still creeps me out to this day. Yep. Yeah, a meal and that fucking moonhead thing. 
That's, that's what that's what happens to you when you. What 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 made him have the moon head? He did something to himself. He originally turned people to stone if he looked at them. That's why he always wore a a, a blindfold. Fuck, I can't even remember the game now. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so we're doing Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater. Uh, we uh. We played through the first part of the game, and now we're trekking through to pretty much making it to Groznygrad. Um, which How much is, did you play? I know you had played a, a ton before the first recording. I, I got to where the end, the the end fight, past the end fight. For the first recording? Yeah. The, the whole... All right, so... The whole reason why I did that was because I wanted to do the cheat with the end fight. And so I needed a weak buffer in order to do that mm-hmm. because I needed to wait seven days. But, you know, so with the, that was – but then I realized I could just – I didn't know if the clock trick worked on the PS3. You know, I didn't know if they patched that or whatever, but they didn't. So I was able to do it. So, after we beat the pain, uh, the first of the uh, Cobra unit, uh, we move on to um, trying to find Sokolov. Uh, and we come to this part where you're you're constantly reminded that this takes place in like the 1960s. But then futuristic shit starts happening. Like these drones are flying around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you have to just, like stay underwater going through like this, like kind of like a creek or, or, or river. So this is the river that comes back later in the game, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Similar one. Um, we will run back into this river. But, um,. So you have to you have to stay underwater so that the uh the drones don't see you, but then there's also like soldiers walking around too. So it it was a mess. I got spotted and just like just booked it. Just just like swam underwater as fast as I could to make it to the end. That So I'm going to at the end of this after after we get done talking about what we're what we're covering today, I'm going to talk about how I feel about this game. And I think I am ruining this game for myself. Based on what you just started to say, I think I'm in the same boat. Okay. And I and I was the same way the first time I played it as well. Okay. Do you want to just go ahead and say it? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So it, it's and I, I don't know if this is exactly what you were going to say, but this is a weird game for me because. Essentially, every encounter, you're instructed to sneak past people. Mm-hmm. And that always works for me until I get somewhere into that encounter. You know, maybe it's early on I get spotted. Maybe I'm 90% of the way done. But most of the time, I get spotted. And then I whip out a machine gun and blast everybody to death or sprint for the exit. Yeah. And it's sort of. At the time, I was like, oh, thank God, I'm not going to be punished in this game. I can try to be sneaky, or I can whip my gun out and just mass murder everybody. Yeah. And I think I remember them 
specifically saying that is you can play it, you know, a little bit more action oriented if you want to, or play it as stealthy as you possibly can. And I know there's a lot of rewards, like trophy rewards and stuff for playing it different ways, you know, without killing somebody and, and whatnot. So you, you can and should play it stealthily, but you don't have to, but it's almost like an, a crutch, like an easy out. Like you don't have to do anything the right way because you can always blast your way out. I have yeah. so many guns and they're all fully loaded with ammo to the point that I can't pick up ammo most of the time. Yeah. So when somebody sees me, you know, I've been taking a little bit of perverse glee out of slitting a lot of throats lately because at least I can stop the alert clock because I hate crawling into a hole and waiting for, you know, 45 minutes for the alerts to go away. Yeah. So uh, I tend to slit a lot of throats lately, but, you know, if someone gets in my way, I'm just going to pull out the AK and start blasting. And that's not very Metal Gear, but, you know, it works. Truth be told, that's this is the turning point for Metal Gear because Metal Gear 4 is a lot of action. Yeah. I mean, that's and, – and Ground Zeroes is nothing but action, it seems like. You know, there is a little bit of sneaking, but you blast guys away. You know, I mean, that's the thing. The only difference for me is in this game is because I saw that fucking trophy of, like, not killing anybody, and I'm going for it. So it's basically me just running by guys. I'll get spotted almost immediately and just, all right, fuck it, we're going. going. If I can make it to the next area, I'll still have an alert. But if I die, it'll start me at that area. You know? With no alert. Yeah. So... I kind of am ruining the game for myself. But also, in retrospect, I think I prefer Metal Gear 2 over this. Gameplay-wise? In general. Overall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later. Let's, let's just, like, I, I, I will get definitely more into that after we finish talking about what we go through here. Um, so here, after we make it past the, the river area, we come onto like this dock and, uh, we get a cutscene with, uh, Volgan and, um, Sokolov's there along with Sokolov's, uh, girlfriend who we now know is Eva. And, um, I think, uh, yeah, uh, Ocelot's there as well. And Ocelot's still really pissed off at Vulcan for blowing up his comrades with the nuclear weapon. Uh, but he's still going along with him. And I totally didn't talk about Vulcan in the first episode much. He this guy's electrified. Um in in most Metal Gear fashion, most of the bosses and enemies in this game are supernatural in some way. Yeah. And um Volgan looks like he got struck by lightning. He has scars all over his body that looks like he, he got struck by lightning and it scarred him. And now he has the ability to basically just electrify anything through his body. 
And what he likes to do is put bullets in between his knuckles and punch shit, and it shoots the bullets. <laughs> and it's kind of dumb. <laughs> was uh, it shoot? I thought he was just using it as like a conductor. He may be using it as a conductor, but he's also shot the shells, too. I mean, he shot the bullets out of the shells before, too. See, I thought it was more just like a brass knuckles that conducts his electricity. Yeah. But yeah, maybe the electricity would shoot them off as well. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So he's using it as a brass knuckle, and while he's punching something, he shoots the bullets, too. So you're getting a lightning punch plus brass knuckles in your face. Plus bullets in your face. And in the world of Metal Gear Solid, to me, that seems less ridiculous than a lot of the bosses. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, I mean, he's, you know, he he is the guy leading the whole thing. Um, And he's there, and he uh, shocks the crap out of Eva. Uh, Just because it's fun. He's a sadist. He He likes seeing people in pain. And uh, he also did it to scare Sokolov into uh, doing what he wants. Uh, but there is a very interesting thing. After this cutscene, um, the end is there during the cutscene. And uh, he's in his wheelchair. And uh, one of the soldiers wheels him off after the cutscene. So after the cutscene, while you're taking over a snake, you see the end on the dock there. And... Uh, a guard wheeling him away into the building. There are three ways that you can beat the end. One of them being when you get to the end boss fight, you can fight him and and beat him. The second way is to, when you start the end boss fight, save your game, turn off your system, come back a week later, and he dies of old age. You don't even have to fight him. You have a cutscene of Snake finding his body, and he's just dead. The third way is... What now? Go ahead. Oh, the third way is to, when this soldier is wheeling him up, pull out a sniper rifle and shoot him in the head, and you don't even have to worry about the end fight. You kill him right then and there. And even if you don't, you can damage him here, and then he will start the real fight with less health. Really? I didn't know that. I think if you just shoot him in like the shoulder or something without killing him. Uh-huh. Hmm. Did you try any of that? No, I didn't have the sniper rifle at the time. I didn't either. I, I wanted to because this is the... You know, at this point, I'm like, yes, I know what I can do here. Let me try it. And then... The best I had was an AK. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to do anything. Yeah. So I didn't do it, unfortunately. But there's multiple ways that you can beat the end. Um, and the whole him dying of old age, there was a trick that everybody found out in the uh, PS2 version, and it works on the PS3, is that instead of waiting a week and coming back, just go into the system menu and advanced time on the calendar seven days and then boot the game back up and spoiler alert i did that (laughs) so because fuck fighting the end 
Yeah. Which, which, I, which so I've always taken this as one of the most epic boss fights of all time. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's literally a grueling affair. Yeah. But the the thing that will always stand out to me is that, you know, you've just mentioned that you can wait a week and have the game, you know, and he'll die of old age. I did not know that was an option. I had tried to fight him over the course of a few days multiple times. I had spent hours and hours at this when the game first came out, and I couldn't beat him. And I gave up for a while and then came back to it, and he had died of old age. And to me, that was so shocking. It was basically the Psycho Mantis fight of this game. Yeah. Like, I did not think that games could do that or would do that. There's always some kind of Kojima trickery in all his games. Um, some of the plot lines, some of it gameplay. Um, some of it boob shots. Yeah, some of it just boob shots. Um, but Kojima has a knack for that kind of stuff, which. A, makes me wonder what in the hell do we have in store for us with Metal Gear Solid Five, And B, I really wish I could have seen what he would have done with Silent Hills. <laughs> yes. So, that, that, I mean, I know people are sick of hearing about Silent Hills and stuff like that. And truth be told, I'm kind of sick of hearing about it. But just imagine a psychological horror game like that with fucking Kojima at the helm. My God the mind fuckery <laughs> that he could have done with that game. Yeah. I, I love everything he's done with metal gear and you're right. I would have loved to play silent Hills, but all of this makes me think that he would be a very weird dude to hang out with. Yeah. That's that. I mean, who knows? He's probably not even like that. I think he just does it just to laugh at people. You yeah, know, maybe it's just stick like, you know, Manson not being anywhere near as, satanic as he has often appeared yeah it's like a perfect example like uh, andy kaufman you know mm-hmm. andy kaufman he he did stuff that didn't make any sense to people but it made him laugh and that's all that mattered to him <laughs> you know and it's, it's stuff like that is is i think kojima may just be fucking with us just to say ha ha i tricked you just like he did with metal gear 2 thinking you're gonna be playing a fucking snake the entire time yep you know, it's, it's, it's there's always small stuff like that, and he loses. I mean, he he, he goes fucking insane in in Metal Gear Solid Four. Just just FYI to the people who have not played the game yet. I mean, is I can't oh. wait. I mean, since the beginning, four is the one I've been most excited to replay. Yeah, that's oh man. There's so much shit to even talk about, but. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll make it um, through this. It's kind of like a tower area, kind of like a like a, a checkpoint. Um, and then we go through the jungle again, and we're gonna make it to where basically the the the, the place where they're supposed to be keeping Sokolov. Um, it's a uh, science research facility. Um. And this is where we get to use our scientist uh, lab coat. That's pretty much all it is. And glasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we go 
down into the uh, the base itself, and uh, we run into what we th- thought was where Sokolov was going to be. But oh no, Sokolov's not there. It's somebody else. It's a very large, burly Russian man who likes to drink vodka a lot. Uh, basically, he was—he used to be Sokolov's partner, but then Sokolov sold him out and took all the research for himself. At the same time, when he was doing his defecting to the United States, um, and for the life of me, I can't think of what this guy's name is. In fact, it really doesn't matter. I'll just tell you what he tells us. We get a pretty big cutscene here talking about what they're actually working on, what the Shagglehot is. Um, and uh, we learn a little bit about this thing called the Philosopher's Legacy. Um, the Philosopher's Legacy is something that was passed down from World War II. Um, people have their different theories on what this is, uh, and we learn a little bit more about it probably in the next episode. Um, but most people believe it's a large sum of money that was basically taken from everything after after United States, Russia, and everybody else beat the Nazis Pretty much everything valuable that they had in their possession has been stored somewhere uh, for the people called the philosophers. Uh, the philosophers are a uh, organization of people that nobody really knows who they are, and they kind of call the shots when it comes to what's going on with the Cold War right now. So not our first shadowy world-running organization. Yeah. Um, sounds a lot like the Patriots. Yep. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure it is the Patriots. I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, we'll, uh, we'll get back into that a little bit later and what exactly the philosopher's legacy is. But at the current moment, Volgan is in charge of it. Yeah. So uh, this guy was Brandon, though, before we leave. Brandon? Uh, Brandon. Okay. And, you know, we don't see him too much in the game. I mean, this was his scene, and then he's got, you know, a brief cameo a few minutes later. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as a throwaway character goes, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. You know, as far as, you, you know, you can feel, you know, you can feel how much he resents being stuck in this basement to just sit there and waste away his days. I am not much to say about him, but yeah, he just he, he's getting drunk. Fuck it. And I uh, he pretty well his, you know, his yeah. his emotional state. Yeah, he's he's pretty much done, which is why even though he loves Mother Russia, he helps Snake. And um the reason why is because he um Snake said that uh he liked his shoes. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you got some nice shoes. <laughs> and he wasn't even looking at it. Like he, was, he was looking at his shoes, but he was trying to show him something. So, um... The, the Zone of the Enders doll or statue behind him also. Yeah, he had that. And he also had a Metal Gear Ray sitting there. 
It's yeah, he Kojima does that stuff. He just throws dumb shit in there just because it's a bit anachronistic, but you know. Yeah. Jima. So uh he gives us a card key and tells us that um where we're trying to get to is a place called Grozny Grad, which is basically where they're housing the Shagglehod. That's where they're keeping Sokolov. That's where they're getting all their preparations ready for phase two of uh of getting the Shagglehod ready for deployment, I guess. And um basically he tells us uh you're gonna have to go back the way you came, back to that tower uh we were at where the dock is, and uh go through a door that's locked. He gave us a card key that will get us in there. So we have to go back. We leave the facility, or more like I get spotted and then bust through the fucking facility. Um and make it back into the uh into the, the jungle. When we make it back into the jungle, we run into another one of the Cobra Unit's members. The fear is there. You know, I'll be honest, so far the boss fights have been a joke. Yeah, I don't remember them being quite so easy. Yeah. Um, Especially me using... The, the, uh, the, the tranquilizer gun, people are going down left and fucking right, especially the bosses. So, so the fear, I was thinking, man, this is going to be a hard ass fight because he's going to be jumping around and invisible half the time and I won't be able to see him and I got to hit him with this tranquilizer gun. Nah, this dude, th- this fight lasted two minutes tops. You had the thermal goggles? I did not have the thermal goggles. I only had the night vision ones, and that kind of upset me. But I was able to see through his optic camo. Um, but the fear um, is a lot like a spider. He's able to disjoint his arms and legs and basically crawl up a tree backwards. Yeah. Um, like a walk almost. Yeah. And uh, he has a long forked tongue. Yeah, I definitely thought he was snake-themed the first time I saw him. Yeah. He reminded me of Vamp a bit. Yeah. He can run. He runs on water. Yeah, he runs on water. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's a very interesting character. Unfortunately, he doesn't last very long. Uh, the fight basically consists of him jumping from tree limb to tree limb. Uh, shooting arrows at you. The arrows are, are tipped with a uh, poison. That uh, uh, antidote for. Yeah, we luckily we have about twelve antidotes on us for that. Um, and uh, he's using optic camo, um, which I guess they don't call it optic camo in here. It's just magic, I guess. Uh, and if you shoot him enough times, he loses the camo, and you're able to see him. And it was just it was just watching jump from tree to tree, bow, pow, 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 and then he just died. You know, I got him. Yep. Um, and he explodes just like the rest of the Cobra unit, uh, but he explodes into a bunch of arrows, and they all fly everywhere, and that was fun. <laughs> and then we we 
continue on. Yeah, minor minor distraction. But there is one thing that's interesting. I think it, you only get it if you beat him with a tranquilizer gun. Is uh, you get his camo. I think that's true of all of the Cobra unit, isn't it? I didn't get any camo from the pain that that, that I know of. Um, but I got the spider camo, which it always has you at 70% while standing and crouching. Like it doesn't go up. You're always at 70%, I think. So it's, it's an interesting camo, um, that I guess works if you don't have what you need, but I already have like a million freaking camos. It seems like, yeah. So I don't remember quite this many before either. Is it because this is supposedly like the subsistence edition? I think so. Start with all those things in that version of the game. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Because I noticed at the home screen, you also have Metal Gear and Metal Gear Two unlocked. Yeah. So technically, I own every Metal Gear game known to man. Well, except for Snake's Revenge. So, but yeah, uh, make it past there. Um, go through to uh, another large, large area. Uh, we get a call from uh, Eva saying, uh, "Hey, just to let you know, you got another Cobra unit waiting on you when you get to that area right there. It's the end." Okay. Well, what can an old man do to us? Well, just so happens he can do a lot to you. Mainly frustrate you. So we begin the end fight. Back-to-back fights here. That was that was the weird thing. And that, that's whenever I started realizing this game's not as long as I remember it. Yeah, it seems like we're going through these bosses at a pretty good clip. Yeah. And that, that was the thing, like... Because I, I snuck around two guys, and then all of a sudden I'm at the end fight. And I'm like, really? I'm, we're already at the end fight? I was like, I was thinking the end fight was pretty much the halfway point of this game. And if that's the case, I'm at four hours? Holy shit. You are now, or you were when you hit the end fight? When I hit the end fight, I was at four hours. Yeah, I was probably at pushing seven. Yeah, so I I was like, damn, I'm kind of breezing through this. And once again, I'm like I said, I'm kind of ruining the game for myself because when I get spotted, I'm just booking it. You know, there really is no much, no more sneaking around for me. It's just me running, see a guy, slam him, and then run. So I I am kind of ruining this game for myself. You're kind of speed running it, also. <laughs> yeah, I I seem to be speed running it. Uh, so um, the end fight is a sniper battle, basically. Where he is hidden somewhere in these two areas and you have to find him. Uh, And every once in a while, he will take a very small pot shot at you. Um, And it's all about trying to figure out where he is and he will constantly move if you get too close to him. It's kind of difficult to sneak up on him sometimes, but you can do it. 
Yeah, I actually was able to one time. Uh, basically, I couldn't figure, I couldn't find him anywhere, so I was just running around like an idiot. Uh, and I had my thermal goggles on, so every ten seconds or so, I would pop them on and then pop them off. And uh, one time, I came across his footprints, so I just started following them as quickly as I could, and eventually found him and hit him with a shotgun blast. <laughs> so that that was the one time I hit him, and then basically gave up because I had already been playing for over an hour. Yeah. So I did not do any of this. I immediately saved and advanced the clock on my PS3, which I never changed back. Shit. I, I didn't either. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and uh, then watched the cutscene of Snake finding him dead of old age. He still explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a parrot there. I miss you, Hal. I think there's something you can do with the parrot in the game also. When yeah. you're in this fight, if you find that parrot and kill it, does it change his pattern or is it – it does something, I think. I think it may actually draw him out for a minute. Yeah. I'm not too certain. It's been such a long time since I actually attempted this fight. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to beat him since the first time I played the game – I couldn't beat him, gave up, and then somehow the game was like, all right, you're not good enough to beat him, so we're just going to have him die. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so I really wanted to beat him this time, but I just didn't have that time. It's weird how they have a time limit on that stuff. I'm accepting that as a failure. I tried, you know, I, I tried, I hit him one time in over an hour. I mean, I at that rate, I was not going to beat him. In any one or two sittings. Yeah. I just, like, I, I had no... I Like, I, I was under the impression that I want to make it to the end fight, so that way I have, a, like, a weak buffer to actually play the game more. Um, but then I realized I could just... I just went ahead and just tried the, uh, the time trick, and it worked. Um, interesting thing, though is that if he dies of old age, you don't get the trophy for beating him. Oh, yeah, good. You shouldn't. Yeah. You know, the whole time, like, right before the fight, you're like, you better hurry, Snake. If you don't hurry, something bad might happen. And then at the at, at that cut scene afterwards, he's like, he's talking to a paramedic, saying, he's like, I just don't feel right about this, you know. It's like his last wish was to... to fight me on the battlefield and I kind of cheat him out of it. Didn't you basically say grow up? This isn't a game. Yeah. Get to your objective. Stop whining. Yeah. So we beat the end and we move on from there. Um, going on from there, we uh, have to go up to a mountain area. That's where we're going to meet up with Eva. And uh Yeah, so that so that's one of the things I really like about this game is the way the way they've structured the story so that it's sort of like if you're looking at a mountain in the distance, you know, your your path to get there you might not know, but you see that mountain and if there's a smaller peak in front of it, you see that peak. And I, I think this game really sets up so that you're never completely lost. You never have, you're never at a point in this game where you're just like, what am I doing? 
Now, right. maybe this is me and my terrible memory, but that happens to me in a lot of games. Where I'm like, ah, I'm just kind of going through this facility. I don't know where I'm going. I don't really know why I'm going. But as soon as I hit a checkpoint and there's a cutscene, maybe I'll get refreshed. But I, you know, I, I kind of like this game because they telegraphed early that you need to go meet Eva. She's going to give you the key. That key is going to get you into the back of Grozny Grad. That's where Sokolov is. Your goal of the entire game is to get Sokolov and the Shagahod. You know, from the beginning of the game, you basically know that that's your mission. And so I like the fact that that part of the game is not confusing. Yeah. You know, there are different alliances. You don't know who's who. You don't know exactly the path you're going to take to get there. But I like that the 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 interesting parts of the game fit within, you know, the structure that is sort of defined and set. And I know what I'm trying to do. It all makes sense. Like, going to get this card, yeah, I, I have to go with this card because, you know, that's going to lead to B, and B is going to lead to C, and that's, you know, that's that's my whole mission here. All right. So I, I kind of like that. Maybe, maybe it seems a little simple, but I don't know. I, I, I think I appreciated that the first time, and I'm appreciating it again this time. Yeah, it, it definitely feels more structured than the the thing is is that Metal Gear One or Metal Gear Solid One and Metal Gear Solid Two they all happened basically in this open world area. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, Metal Gear Solid Three is very much an open world where you can go wherever you want to, but you don't really backtrack that much. Um. And so, because of that, in 3, you're basically going down a path. And that's that's both in what your mission is, as well as gameplay. You're, go, you're going to be going down this path to make, make it to the next area. While in Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2, it was all story-driven. You know? Uh, Alright, here's your mission. Get the president. Okay, well... Shit's happened in the story. Now we got to defuse these bombs. And so now we now we know where we have to go, but it's all because of the story. You know, while in, in this game, you know where you need to go, and the story never really changes that. You know, it just kind of advances itself. So it's interesting, the structure of this game. Yeah, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it is certainly different. Yeah, it's definitely different. And when you play Metal Gear 4, it's completely different. You know, Metal Gear 4 is straight up, you have stages almost. Yeah. So. Um, totally from each other. Yeah. They're huge stages that are basically open world, but, you know, they are essentially, this is Act 1. You're going to be in this area for a few hours. This is Act 2. You're in a totally different area, you know. So it's it's interesting how how the 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 series has evolved from there, and I'm interested to see how they're going to handle five that way. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be the most open world of all of them. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, it'd be interesting just to see that and see what you can do in it. So, um, we have to go up the mountain before we can go up the mountain. We have to make it to to part the base of the mountain. We do so by climbing possibly the biggest, la- longest ladder I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And an acapella version of Snake Eater 
starts playing. Such a stylized moment. I fucking love it. Yeah. It's, uh, it is. It is as I, I forget who exactly said it now, but it is one of those moments that you just never forget in this game. Yeah. There's always there's always that one moment you never forget in the Metal Gear games, and this is pretty much it for me. Going up that long ass ladder with Snake Eater in the background, quietly being sung. You know, Metal Gear One was fucking you know finding out liquid was really McDonald Miller. Yeah, never forget that moment. Metal Gear Two. Gosh, what what was what was a big moment in that game? Fucking realizing you're not playing as fucking Snake anymore. Yeah. That was a huge moment for me. It was a betrayal was what it was. That was Jay who said that. <laughs> so it's it's good. You know, so there's always those moments, and this was the one for me going up that long ladder. Um, and then we would make it up. What's that? Would you say that for four? You know, obviously we're not there yet, but would you say it's that part where you're crawling without giving too much away? Um, that's a pretty big moment, but there is a, there is another moment that happens before that. Um, See, to me, that one's a lot more like this because it's not really an actiony moment. It's yeah, or it's more stylish than it is, you know, revelation. You know, there's nothing revealed here. Yeah. The, um, no, no, I'm not spoiling a single thing from Metal Gear Solid 4, but there is a moment in Metal Gear Solid 4 that, like, I had to pause the game and say, I'm doing this right now, and I can't believe I'm fucking doing this right now. I had a fucking fanboy moment. I'll play Metal Gear Solid 4 and we will we will get into that because it's one like that that the moment that I'm thinking about is the moment like that that defining moment for that game that the the moment I will never forget um and it's a fucking huge moment I can't wait to discuss that like I like I'm so fucking excited to talk about Metal Gear Solid 4 I'm really stoked now because the two biggest moments in that game I remember, one of them was a cutscene, and the other one was the the crawling part. Okay. Well, th- there's another moment that that really I- I'll t- I'll tell you after we record. Okay. Um. So yeah, we make it to the base of the mountain. A lot of lot a lot of sneaking in this area right here. Yeah, or a lot of running. Or a, yeah, a lot of shit ton of running. Up a fucking mountain, which is what I did. I, I I tried sneaking. I made it. I made it past the first section where all the 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 holes are, like the dips and stuff. Oh yeah, like the moguls. <laughs> yeah, I made it out of there, and then went around the corner, and it's like you know, there's like plateaus and like like uh, trenches and stuff. Shit, there there was just so many guys running around, and you didn't know where. And then there's a helicopter flying around too. Screw it, I'm fucking running. You know that that was that was essentially what it was for me. See that that's, I kind of feel like this game has a lot of room for me to improve my ability to play it. That's like, the thing. I, it's almost every big encounter 
again, I, I get into that encounter. Sometimes I get really far into it. Sometimes I don't. But this game still lets you progress even when you're not doing it, you know, quote unquote, correctly. Yeah. So it to, it, it does seem like a game that I would want to play again if I, you know, if I was so inclined, if I had a strong reason to want to beat this without, you know, no alerts, which sounds absolutely absurd to me. If that's what you want to do, play it on European Extreme. It's the hardest difficulty in the game. You automatically get a game over if you are spotted. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I'll tell you what. Go to Awesome Games Done Quick. The speedrunning guys that they have, they have, they have uh, two streams every year. They play games for seven days straight, uh, raising money for uh, cancer research. Um, I watched a guy beat this game in about an hour and a half, and he played it on European Extreme. Holy hell. He never got spotted, and he beat it in an hour and a half. That's crazy. There's people like that out there. (laughs) I mean... Seriously, the the awesome day, awesome games done quick is fucking fantastic. I, I get so excited every every six months whenever they do it because I like f- fuck television, fuck video games. I'm gonna sit in front of my computer and watch these guys speed run these games because it's impressive as shit. You know, like especially the guys who like really get into it, like watching the Mega Man ones, um, and uh, Super Metroid's another big one that they do. Like, fucking, it's insane. I saw a guy beat Final Fantasy VII in five hours. Do they have one coming up soon? Uh, Summer Games Done Quick, I think, happens in late July, I believe. Um, What's that now? Not that far away, actually. No. Um, uh, They do one in January, which is Awesome Games Done Quick, and then they do Summer Games Done Quick. Um, and, uh, I've been watching them since like 2011, you know, it's, it's great. You know, they, and they've grown huge dude. They, they, like, they raise like, I think $3 million for cancer research. I mean, they, they go nuts. It's great. And they do all sorts of games. You'll see like Super Mario Brothers and then you'll see Final Fantasy 7 or Chrono Trigger. I saw a guy, there was a guy, it was, it was one of the last ones they did for like a kind of like a grand finale. Um, which was a guy sat down and 100%ed Chrono Trigger and did it fast. I mean, it wasn't, you wouldn't say it was fast. I think it took him like eight hours, but he did it in one fucking sitting. 100% of that game. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, these guys practice this shit all year long. It's crazy. But yeah. Talk about speed running a game. Me running up this mountain. Uh, <laughs> make it up to the top of the mountain. And uh, we run into Eva again. Um, she's... Uh, Getting undressed as usual. Uh, there's a pretty significant cutscene here as far as like uh, what's kind of transgressing. Um, 
she takes us to basically the the cliff overlooking Groznygrad, and we can see stuff there. Um, and she also has some banter with uh, Snake, as far as yeah, she's she's falling in love with him, if the mission requires it. And you know she's asking like, what's your you know what what is your connection with the boss? And it's like it's you complicated. Can't, it's complicated. You can't put it into words. It's like she was like a mother to me. It's just like was she also a lover to you? And then like. No, we did, we went past like physical attraction. I'm like, what the fuck is this relationship? You know, I'm thinking that myself. Um. So yeah, uh, but the the plan is is that we sneak into Groznygrad, giant facility, tons of guards. You know, Volgan's there. All the bad guys are there. Yeah, there aren't that many left, but oh yeah, uh, Ocelot's there. Um. And they got Sokolov. And we're supposed to... What's that? And the Shagohod. And the Shagohod. And we're supposed to infiltrate the place um, where Sokolov is being held by... And they only let officers in there. So there is no sneaking around in a scientist outfit in here. We have to sneak around as an officer. Redinovich. Yes. Luckily... We look like him from the back. <laughs> Nobody looks like Snake running around from the back. Yeah. So um, we need to get a officer uniform. Or does she give us one? I can't remember. We need to get it off of Radenovich. That's it. Yeah, we got to find him, take his uniform, and then pretend to be him so we can get in to get Sokolov. Um. Which I think I have a Raiden mask. You do. If you if you chose to if you chose at the beginning of the game, it said I like Metal Gear Solid Three or I like Metal Gear Solid or I like Metal Gear Solid Two. If you choose Metal Gear Solid Two, you start off with the Raiden mask or Raiden, I should say, not the God of Thunder. So, um. I guess if that's the case, they don't have to look. You can look at them in the front, and they they wouldn't bat an eye. So, uh, and the 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 final piece to this plan is that Eva is going to basically be our getaway. Uh, we're going to get Sokolov, destroy the Shagohod, and she is going to meet us uh, at the uh, the coast, and we're going to. Sp- Fly away on a wig. I was a little surprised when he's like, I can't drive one of those. Yeah. He's like, a I wig? I can't drive that. Yeah. I imagine you get into any vehicle, anytime, anywhere, and you just know how to do it. I was yeah. surprised he was like, no, I can do it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Snake does has his limitations. And um, then he makes out with... Uh, with Eva for a little while, and then we go on a merry way. I think she just makes out with him. Yeah, he's just standing there. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but go ahead. And he's always got a little bit of a grimace on his face. So yeah. He doesn't really enjoy it at all, and I don't think he's supposed to. They don't really give any indication that he does. Yeah. Even though he likes looking at her boobs all the time. 
So he's kind of a weirdo. Yeah, he is weird. John's a weird man. So uh, we have to go back, kind of a little bit down the mountain slightly, so we can go around through the uh, through the mountain in, into Grozny Grad. I'm glad that I had noticed that door on the way up. Yeah, because I almost didn't. You know, at one point I was just like, "It looks like I. It looks like up is to the left, but I see a red door over here. I should probably go to the red door." And people started shooting at me, so I'm like, "No, nah, I'll just keep going up." But like, if I if I had like not been paying attention for that second, I'm pretty sure at least once I would have jumped off of that ledge, thinking I could just ride it to the bottom, <laughs> all the way up to the top. Yeah, I don't see an easy way down, but you know it's clearly right in front of me, so I should probably go forward. <laughs> but uh, I was like, no, it's got to be that red door back there. Yeah, I distinctly remember when I first played this game, just going forward and falling to my death. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I knew that wasn't the right way, and I remember the red door, and it wouldn't open for me because I'd press up against it and stuff. I was like, okay, the door's not opening. So I was like, okay, now I get it. I got this card that she gave me. Now I can go through the door, which is what I did. And we go into this cavern that has been kind of like hollowed out and used for, it looks like almost like an aqueduct, but it's yeah, not. Secret back entrance, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and this is where we run into, uh, the final Cobra unit officer, uh, the Fury. The Fury is an interesting guy. He is a ex NASA astronaut. Yep. Who decided during World War Two to join with the Cobra unit? Um. He goes in this big philosophy thing of like he went to space and all he found there was hatred and, and fury, which is why he carries around a fucking uh, flamethrower. Jetpack and a flamethrower. Yeah, he has a jetpack and a flamethrower, and he's wearing his astronaut uniform, part of it at least. Um, and we have to fight him, going through all these corridors and stuff like that. That's one thing is that. Fire in this game is not very consistent. Nope. And apparently his flamethrower can reach very, very far links. Yeah. Um, I didn't die here, but I got damn close a couple of times. Yeah, I actually died a couple of times here. Oh, really? Um, I never he hit you like three times. I mean, yeah, I, maybe not if you're full, but when I got in to fight him, I was only at about forty percent life. Oh wow! So, yeah, it took a while, and it's not really a fight where you can spend a lot of time hiding. I mean, oh, you yeah. can't degree, but you know, I was trying to wait for my life to come back up as I'm fighting him. But you know, as it started, I was only two or three hits from death to start with. Hmm. But yeah, it, it took me a couple of tries, but it was nothing that difficult. Yeah, I I I have yet to die at a boss fight, so um, but luckily I was able to um take him out relatively easily. 
um, he does his exploding thing too, but then a face, a a fire face starts going around the corridors. Entity. What's that? It turns into like a fire entity. Yeah. It's like floating around as a fire blob. You want to know what it reminded me of? And this is going to be kind of obscure, but you like the X-Files. Do you remember the episode of the X-Files that was about the face on Mars? No, actually, I don't. Okay, it was one of the earlier episodes. Um, The CGI was horrible in that episode, and apparently this guy kept imagining the face of Mars coming after him. And that's what it reminded me of. Um, like moon face. Yeah. So, um, or is it, is it the moon or, or Mars face? I can't remember it. No, it's Mars. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Mars. Yeah. Yeah, it's Mars. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, he explodes. We, we kind of get the hell out of there and, uh, there's not a wrap up, uh, that weird fire face is floating around. Causes a little bit of a cave in, locks himself in, I guess. Yeah. It's the end of it. Yeah. Well, Snake's like, this is one of the very few where they, they don't, they, you know, when, when Snake, when they explode, Snake, you know, just, you take over a snake and just walk on. This one, he is forced to leave the area in cutscene. So basically, point of no return. Yep. Um, there was one other thing I should mention before we, we, we get into Groznygrad because immediately he comes up through Groznygrad um, when he comes we goes up the ladder. Um, is the cutscene while uh, when Eva goes back down the mountain, um, we see through um, the binoculars. Uh, Volgan is there, and he is a uh, bullet electric punching a barrel. And uh, it's the barrel starts leaking blood. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Ocelot shows up, and he's like, you know, he's like, has he talked? He's like, nah, he died before I could get any information out of him. And he punches it and sends the barrel flying into the air. And then we get a slow mo cutscene of the barrel flying through the air. And uh, what was his name? Granin. Granin coming out of the barrel, his dead body's flying out of the fucking barrel <laughs> and then lands on the ground. And Ocelot goes back into his like, man, you're killing our fucking comrades, man. I don't like this shit. Your methods are really bad. He's like, if you don't like it, you can fucking leave. <laughs> you know, and, and like it, the ranks are starting to get suspicious because they know they got a spy somewhere. They just don't know who. And uh, he starts, Vulcan starts like you know, accusing people, and that's why he accused Granin. And sure enough, after he reaches over to his dead body and looks at his shoes, and uh, he has a tracking device in his shoe. And I guess Vulcan believes as well. Looks like we found our spy. And that you know, that's pretty much it. Just wanted to mention that. Well, and then, and then Ocelot gets suspicious of 
the girl. Eva. And then we find out for sure that it's her because of the scuff on her boot. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, he smells her perfume. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the same perfume whenever he, uh, groped her and then, <laughs> uh, whenever we first ran into him. So, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's starting to get suspicious of Eva, but he doesn't know just yet. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, after beating the fury, we go up this, um, ladder and we come out right in the fucking middle of Grozny grad. We are right there in the middle of the base. So now it's time to infiltrate Grozny grad. Yeah. This is where I stopped actually. Yeah. This is where I stopped as well. It's a good stopping point. Yeah. I figure the dominoes are going to fall pretty quick. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, we have, Two boss fights left. It's been a long time since I did this part. Do we not fight? Uh, at least two. Yeah. So we'll find out. I can't. I honestly really can't remember. Yeah, I had kind of forgotten the uh, the Fury fight actually. Oh yeah. Because as we're crawling around there, I'm like, I like it didn't dawn on me until we were in the cutscene right before the fight, and I'm like, I think I fight a guy with a flamethrower down here, and then and then he shows up. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. But and yeah. that was so far the first boss fight in any of the Metal Gear Solid games that I didn't really remember. It was because they never played up the Fury. Like in the cutscene where they kind of introduce the Cobra unit while they're in the helicopter Mm -hmm. getting Sokolov, you see the pain, you see the end, you see the fear, but they never really showed the Fury. You know, they, 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 they mentioned him, but they never actually showed him. And they never played it out. And like, and the thing about Metal Gear is that they have these lavish introductions to all their villains. You know, Metal Gear 1, you know everything about the Foxhound unit before you even get to Shadow Moses Island. You know, in the same way with Metal Gear 2, the Dead Cell unit, you knew, you know about Fortune and Fat Man and Vamp, and it's, you see them a lot. These, the Cobra unit feels like a bunch of throwaway characters. Yeah, I mean, that's a little strange to me because they do seem a lot more plug-and-play. Like, there's no real reason to have the Fury. Like, his story doesn't even make any sense with the rest of the game. Yeah. And it does kind of just seem like, well, if we have room for four, we'll put four in. If we have room for ten, we'll put ten in. You know, because they don't... It's not like the game even builds up to them. I mean, we were on the... We were going from the mountainside to Grozniegrad. That could have just happened. They decided to break that up with a boss fight, but there there was no real need for there to be a boss fight here. Yeah. So they stuck an unnecessary boss in an unnecessary place. So yeah, it does feel really like, I guess we'll have another boss fight now. 
Whereas you're right, like Batman felt a bit more integrated into that world. Well, not just that, but I mean, when you fought a boss in the previous Metal Gears, a lot of them didn't die. You know, they they come back. They were significant parts of the story. While the Cobra unit, fucking John kills them. They're dead. They're not coming back. So it's kind of like, ah, we 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 see them and then we forget about them. You know, yeah. so it's it's interesting how they're handling that stuff. Um, and there's always a unit to fight. The the unit in Metal Gear Solid Four is called the Beauty and the Beast unit. <sighs> That's an interesting group of people. Yeah, I guess you know, and maybe it's only because we haven't got there. But when I'm thinking about this game. Metal Gear Solid 3, it's the end and the sorrow that are the ones that stand out to me. Yeah. As the ones I... In, in, to be honest, this is why I was a little bit hesitant to even want to play this one. Because, you know, for so long this has been my favorite game. But I have not played it in many, many, many years. And uh, I remember really liking the way the bosses were thematically associated with the emotions. Yeah. And I remember especially the sorrow. I love that fight. Maybe I won't when I get to it next week. But, yeah. You know, in, in my memory, that's one of the greatest boss fights. And then the end, you know, to me was almost a Psycho Mantis-esque fight because such an unexpected thing happened the first time I played it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they really just don't have quite the same impact that they did the first time. Yeah, that that's that that was what I was gonna say at the beginning of the episode, which I wanted to save for now, is that in retrospect, uh I know I've said that I think Metal Gear Three is my favorite. I'm starting to like I'm starting to, to kinda feel down on the game. I I mean I think it's I think it's still a great game and I think I think if I was playing this game correctly and trying to sneak and trying not to be seen and using the camouflage correctly, the, it would be a better experience for me. Um, the the other thing is, I think this game has some of the best mechanics in it. You know, I, as far as a gameplay standpoint goes, I think this it's one of the top ones. But well, and also it ends on, in one of the best. You know, again, maybe it's not as good as I remember it, but I remember the end of this game, the last boss fight being one of the greatest moments I've ever had in a game. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting going back to this one because it, at the current moment, I'm, I'm not feeling it as much as I did Metal Gear two. Yeah. And a bit of that though, you know, Metal Gear two, I always liked the game, but I never absolutely adored it. So my expectations on replaying it were not quite as high. Yeah. You know, this game has been built up in my mind a lot since the last time I played it. And, you know, in retrospect, maybe it never had a chance to live up to what I remembered it being. Yeah, that's true. Too much hype can be a bad thing. The, um, the biggest, the biggest thing for me is, and I think one of the reasons why I've always kind of been down on metal gear two is because a, you're playing as riding, but B you got to live up to fucking metal gear solid. You can't, nothing can live up to what I felt playing Metal Gear Solid 1. You know, yeah. 
And that, that it was cursed to begin with, you know, but going back and playing it again, I really like Metal Gear Solid 2. And it wins the award for being so batshit crazy. You can't help but, you know, you can't help but roll with the punches. Yeah. Never coming in that game. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing is that the Metal Gear Solid 3 is fucking mild in, in like craziness than, than what Metal Gear 2 is. And that's, I think that's one of the things, you know, I like when you think Metal Gear, you think of crazy shit. You think of crazy stories and crazy characters and, you know, crazy plot twists and stuff like that. While Metal Gear 3 really doesn't have that. You know, it's it's kind of a standard game. Um, and it's still got that Metal Gear flair to it, but it's just... Toned down. It's very toned down. Um, it's really hard to explain, but I, I at the current moment from where I am right now, I prefer Metal Gear 2 over 3. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, but we have other thoughts that we can talk about. We got another email from Jamie. Oh, good. Long one too. Nice long nice. one. Uh, it says, hi guys. I just don't know what to say. <laughs> I really don't like this game as much as two. I think it's because there is less going on. I'm not really sure. I feel like there isn't any real major storyline going on. Maybe it's because the previous ones were so messed up with the story twisting and turning. This feels really standard go-do mission kind of stuff. I know you were saying that Snake shows more emotion in this one and how he seems like he is conflicted. I'm assuming that is when he will inevitably have to face the boss. Because right now no emotion is showing. Just a lot of running around with little story happening as of yet. Uh, granted, I have been getting a little annoyed with it too, since I didn't know how to equip my suppressors, and I didn't know how I could use a med kit. I thought I just had to keep my stamina up, then my health would regenerate, but I found out that I could use a kit to gain life. I did not even know this. In fact, I don't even think I've found a med kit yet. So I have been making things harder on myself, which could be spoiling my overall feeling of the game. I think part of the problem also is that I know Snake is going to turn into a bad guy. That bothers me and makes me not want to like him, so I guess I'm being a little closed-minded about the story. I feel like I'm not really interested in someone I know will be a villain. Snake and Otacon, those two were saving the world from Metal Gears. I can get behind that, but this snake, I don't really know what his cause is, but I do know eventually it won't be good. I do like the little bit of ridiculousness that they always throw in, though. I didn't know Snake and I would share a fondness for shoes. <laughs> I think we could bond over that. Also, the dentures flying out of the end's mouth. What will they think of next? I'd play them all just to see what else they will do. I think overall, I just enjoyed two better, at least so far. But hey, maybe things are about to get crazy. Or maybe I just expect that now. I must be broken since everyone else seems to like this one the best. No, no, you... I've brought up some good points. I, I don't know what it is. 
maybe it was just that's a that's a hard thing to discuss to be honest with you but that's just me um this has turned into a bit of a downer email i don't hate it i just don't love it i've enjoyed all the boss fights especially the end there i'll end on a happy note jamie so congratulations jamie you did something me and matt couldn't do and that was beat the end I have personally beat the end. The first time I played it, I did beat him, but I didn't. I did not have the time or the want to put in the effort to actually fight this guy. So I I, ch- I decided to cheat. So bad on me. But yeah, I kind of feel the same way Jamie does right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that far away from either of you. No yeah. Respect. I mean, I'm holding... I, I, I still love this game. I, mean, yeah. I still enjoy everything that I'm playing. But do I know that it's as unquestionably, you know, my favorite game? I, I don't know. Yeah. No, this is definitely... This is definitely not not up there um, with me as my favorite games of all time or anything like that. I think it's a solid... <laughs> I think it's a solid Metal Gear game, but... Um, at the current moment, I'm actually kind of down on this game. Now, I know that there's some shit that goes down for our next episode. In fact, I'm starting to think there's a lot of stuff that we're going to have to talk about in the next episode. Um, But I think that may pick it up a little bit. I don't think he gets as crazy as I'm thinking, but... See, I don't... I don't ever remember this game being crazy like 2. I mean, 2 is the crazy one. Yeah. This was a game to me that was much more emotional. Like, the the interaction with him and the other characters I thought was better in this game than any other game. Yeah. But, again, yeah, you're right. I want to see how the end of this game ties up and see if it really even has that impact on me that it did the first time. Yeah. That's, That's my thing is that... We we start seeing Snake's emotional side once he gets into Grozny Grad. Some shit happens to Snake in this. Like, some bad shit. You're right. I think it was in Jamie's email last time, last week. But I kind of miss Otacon. Yeah. Yeah. Otacon is a always a good voice of reason for Snake. And uh we get a good amount of Otacon in uh four. Yeah. So um four is pretty much the good grand crescendo for the uh for the for for Solid Snakes series. Um and then we go back to uh John for Peace Walker. And then we go to what I'm guessing is John turning into Big Boss for real. So, with five. So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much it for this episode. It's a bit of a dinner for our three-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's okay. Of my nostalgia, the best nugget. That I had in my video game brain has now been smashed a bit. Well. It's been tarnished. Maybe not smashed. Tarnished. 
it it wouldn't be a phoenix down without without ruining some memories so you know I, at one time i used to say alone in the dark was one of the most innovative games i've ever played after doing it for phoenix down it is the biggest pile of shit i've ever played yeah it's insufferable but it is you know it was original yeah fuck that game fuck that game i have zero need to ever play that game again yeah, me too. Oh my god. If are people out there, Jamie, if you have not listened to me and Dave and Matt play Alone in the Dark, go and listen to those two episodes. The last episode will make you laugh out loud because listening like I've went back and listened to us and our frustrations with that game. It's fucking hilarious listening to us talk about this game. It was fucking horrible. That game. Fuck that game, man. I hate it. I platinum that fucking game. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I had no fucking reason to ever go back and play that game again. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, it's a, I don't know, it's it's interesting. Metal Gear it, I it's a learning experience for me, you know. I I I think it was having such fond memories of of this game may partially be because it was the game that got me back in the gaming, you know, because yeah, I, I didn't play many games for like a year and a half. And then I jumped into this one. And I'm like, yeah, I'm back into video games. This is fun. This is great. You know, um, going back to it now, I just I, like at the current moment, like I said, I could change my mind, at the, you know, for the, for the next episode. But right now I prefer to over this. Yeah, I don't know if I quite prefer two. I still think I like this one more than two because I I do feel like you have a few more options in the way you approach things in this game. I think two was a bit more specifically like figure out this pattern, get to the next point, figure out the next part of the pattern, get to the next point. To me, this game is a little bit more of, of, of figuring things out as you go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a little bit more dynamic in that respect, but maybe that's like, maybe that's just because they've loosened it. You don't have to be good at the game. You don't have to figure anything out. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, four's like that. Four is you know you could just play that game as a shooter if you wanted to. Yeah, but I think at that point they knew that you could do it, and they kind of built the game around that. Yeah. Ooh, I don't remember this game. I probably don't remember any of four either. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Matt, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you on the show. Um, I know you mentioned it through text. Um, you want to bring Baker in on four? It's a possibility. He said that he was interested. He just got – he has a PS3. Mm-hmm. He picked the game up, and he's never played any Metal Gear game. Oh, God. Playing four would probably be the worst idea ever. <laughs> But it would be very comical. It would be very comical. I, if he wants to join us, he's he's more than welcome to. For anybody out there listening who didn't follow back whenever we did the Zombie Frog Game Club, uh, Baker, who were, who we refer to him as Baker because we wanted to like keep down the confusion because we had two mics at the time. Um, Mike Baker uh, was a, a co-host for. Um, a lot of the, the zombie frog game clubs and, uh, and just zombie frog radio. Really? 
Yeah, I hosted Zombie Frog Radio for a while. Yeah. I still hold it against him that he didn't finish uh, Persona 3. <laughs> he, he dropped out. So did Nate, though. <laughs> so, which Nate didn't want to do it to begin with. <laughs> it was That was the thing. But whatever. So, yeah, it'd be great to talk to Mike again. I haven't talked to him in years. So, yeah. Mike's down for 4th of July, so if, I wonder if he would have to already be playing it. I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll check with him and see if he's still interested. Okay. That'll work. So, however he wants to do it. Um, but, yeah, that'll be it for us. Um, if you want to follow us all on Twitter, I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And uh, you can follow the podcast itself. It's at ZTGD Phoenix Down. You can also send us emails. Tell me what you think of Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, it is drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also suggest games to us, but we're kind of locked in until probably after October. So we'll, we'll get to them. I promise. You know, if you, if you want to suggest some games to us and stuff like that. Um, I think that's about it though. Uh, I do appreciate everybody listening. Uh, We will be back next week to finish off Metal Gear Solid 3. But until then, I am Drew. I'm slightly disappointed, Matt. (laughs) And we're out of here. I hope you guys have a great week. And we'll catch you next week with the continuation and conclusion of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Darkness and silence through the night. What a thrill. I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme I give my life Not for honor In my time, there'll be no